I'm Ben Byes. And I'm Carly Byes. We've been married for 12 years and together for 15 and have two boys. This is our story of a controlling church and spiritual abuse and how it shook our relationship and clouded our view of God. Our desire is that our honest view of pain and trauma in relationships can provide hope and the courage to hold on when life does not turn out as planned. While also providing a dash of humor and loving banter. We are still working to find wholeness and we welcome you on our journey. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and um, just being a part of our journey. Um, we are just so thankful for all of the feedback and the support we've received um, the past few weeks since we've launched, and um, it's just been more than we could ask for, and just really thankful and appreciative of it all. So, um, thank, mean, you. Right? Yes, <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Um, so last week's episode ended, um, with the hashtag bathroom breakdown, um, and just kind of wanted to clarify a little bit of how things went moving forward. Um, didn't want to leave that open-ended before we talked about what tonight's episode's going to be. Um, so it's important to know that even though I felt really hurt by Ben, um, like kind of abandoning me and not choosing me, um, and not making me a priority that night. Um, you know, eventually I, I, you know, I realized, okay, like it's important for him to be supportive of our pastor. She rallied. (laughs) I rallied. I big time (laughs) rallied. (laughs) And, um, it was almost like at that point, while it was a really pivotal point in our relationship moving forward, I almost became like two people, uh, where, you know, one part of me was so, all in and supportive of everything we were doing while the other half of me was like slowly dying inside of not, um, you know, just getting my needs met and, um, feeling cared for and supported in the way that, you know, I should have, um, been, but you know, the other part of me was really my, the face that I put forward was just supportive and, um, you know, I, it was really important too that I didn't let on that I was upset about any of these things because I knew that there wasn't going to be any sort of conversation that we could, um, you know, talk it out or any of that kind of what we had dressed last week. So, <clears throat> and I definitely couldn't let on to the pastor that I was bummed about the situation. And he was also really good at, um, almost bringing it up every time and saying, things like, Oh, Carly, thank you so much for letting Ben, uh, you know, come out with me last night. I know it was such a sacrifice or those sorts of things that like, while yes, looking back are very manipulative at the time, like really helped me realize, okay, like, yes, that was really good of me. So it it almost gave me a sense of pride. Like I am the sacrificial wife who, um, is just so understanding and so awesome to, just let these things kind of slide. Um, but at the same time, like there was a part of me that was obviously slowly dying inside. Um, so I wanted to just address that and moving on to, um, cause there's still a lot of history that goes on from the bathroom incident until what our first episode was about when he 
comes home and I'm on the couch and we decide to leave the church. There's still many, many years in between those two stories. Oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> and A I want to make sure stories. that everybody understands um, or that it's just understood that I that I had a moment of weakness and I gathered myself. Um, I think I even remember like that next week it was still, I don't even remember if it was a couple days later or a week later, probably a week later because I didn't see you very often. Um, I, there was a pair of shoes. We lived close to the mall and I remember saying, um, I'm going to go to Nordstrom and buy a pair of shoes for myself. And I said it in such a way, like, I'm not asking you for permission. I'm going to do this because you hung me out to dry last week and I deserve a pair of new shoes. <laughs> and we definitely could not afford yeah, it. Was, how did, where did you find the money for I that? think I had just gotten paid or something because I was catering at the time. And oh, I yeah, just, Carly had a real job. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> kind of. Well, that's how we survived, really. That's how we paid our rent. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I remember just saying, I'm, I'm going to buy shoes and I'm not going to allow you to respond <laughs> to me. <laughs> this Give me this happiness. And, and I'm sure I privately harbored resentment, anger for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just um, thought, how many pairs of shoes do you need? Uh, and I didn't even really have too no, many shoes at that point. But just, you know, me. Being me. Yeah. yeah. You being controlling in, in a way that we didn't realize was controlling at the time. Since you were being controlled. And then you trickled that control down to me. Very crazy how manipulation works. Anyways, tonight's episode is about... Go ahead, Ben. The spirit of an armor bearer. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> WTF. <laughs> what the freak, by the by the way. Not the other F word. Obviously, we wouldn't use that, but... But that's what we mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're going to talk a little bit about armor bearing, and I know I... Um, mentioned it earlier but i want to try to give a fuller view of it so that you can understand what we're stepping into um two caveats before we start i want to apologize for one is i understand carly is a crowd favorite um (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna have to hear a little bit more from me as i go through this so i apologize secondly is let's be completely honest this is the second time we have um, done this because the first time I was <laughs> way too theological long-winded. Way too long-winded, folks. <laughs> I listened to it and thought, this is the most boring thing I ever heard, so I'm going to try to be better this time. But if anybody really wants to discuss what's going on with armor-bearing, feel free to call. <laughs> um, or if you are an armor-bearer currently, feel free to call. The, the number is 1-800-GET-THE-FREAK-OUT. Or 1-800-RUN-FOR-THE-HILLS. Either one of those is going to get you directly to me. (laughs) (laughs) so stupid. (laughs) Um, But we're going to talk a little bit about that. And and again, I'm going to try to be as concise and whole as I can at the same time, I guess, if that's a a realization. But um, I was an armor bearer. Um, Such an honor to me. (laughs) But it really was at the time. It was like at the it time, was yeah. a huge honor, especially because we hadn't been going, like we had mentioned, we hadn't been go- going to the church for too long before you were asked to be an armor bearer. Yep, such an honor. Um, kind of like the guy who's being honored to, to go to the death row execution. That's oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so being an armor bearer, there's... 
I'm going to give you the references of, of what we're talking about biblically. So I already mentioned Saul and, and David, sorry, and that David was Saul's armor bearer and that he supported him and allowed him to work and do what he needed to do by um, playing his instrument and going before him in war. And so there was Saul and David. There was also Jonathan and his armor bearer. When Jonathan was going to go fight the Philistines, his armor bearer said, I'm with you. Whatever is in your heart, I'll do it too. So that was the example of Jonathan. Then there was Elijah and Elisha and how he supported him up to the point of when um, he was taken to heaven, he said, if you see me taken to heaven, you will get a double portion of my anointing. So that was another thing. If you support him and continue to support him, then God is actually going to release something better on you. Um, there was the example in the Old Testament of the Levites, where the Levites took care of the little details of the temple so that the entire ministry could go on. So the point of an armor bearer was, I want to take care of the details so that the head minister and what's going on with the vision can continue to go on. But I'm going to take care of the details so that everything else can go on. Then when you go to the New Testament, what's often referenced is the apostles that take care of the um, offering for the widows and the poor, and they disperse the money, they disperse the food, they disperse the hospitality, so that everybody is taken care of, so that the other apostles who are spreading the word of God can be free to do that. So the whole point is, if you can support and encourage and love the head pastor and his vision and his mission, then God will somehow um, fulfill the vision for your life. And I think that was the biggest thing, okay, is that if you did not support the vision of what your pastor is doing, then God would not fulfill the vision that he has for your life. Yeah. They were directly, they were tied together. Yes, and which is completely crazy. First of all, who can stop God from working? I think that's said in scriptures multiple times. God says, I'm going to work. Who can stop it? So God's work could be stopped in my life because I'm not supporting the vision of the pastor of the church that I'm in. I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah, crazy. Carly? Yeah. Is that, am I crazy? Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. If you guys are in, in that kind of situation, let's let's talk. <laughs> because... I just don't think that's biblically but sound. At the, but at the time, he, our pastor knew the scripture so well that he could like rebuttal any type of, really anything that came at him that maybe conflicted what he said. Now, we were never one to, or you know, you specifically were never one to like rebuttal, you know, try to come up with verses or scriptures that were like, hey, this is this is what the Bible says. This is kind of different than what's actually <laughs> happening. Um, but because he knew the Bible so well, we, we didn't dare question, um, you know, just what the whole, the vision stacking, I guess. And we just, we, again, we continue to see God like move in people's lives and in our own lives and experiencing him and feeling him and hearing him speak to us, um, you know, and, and because of those things, you can't, it, it made it so hard to really question anything the pastor said yeah. when he was really helping orchestrate this 
experience that we were having with God, whether it was at church or I don't know, or even on our, at home on our own, it was all, you know, we were, it was kind of, it was all because of him. Right. And there's this weird correlation that I feel like we all do in life is that I was experiencing God in a real and convincing way in my own life. So, Mm -hmm. Um, experiencing his presence, feeling certain things in my life that used to be a hindrance or hard for me, being able to overcome those things. And in the midst of me experiencing those, I was in this church under this pastor saying that because of his leadership, this is happening. Mm -hmm. So because I was experiencing God in my own life in these things, and then the pastor was saying, well, it's because you're here under my leadership, then the correlation happens where you think, well, if I'm not under this leadership, will this actually happen? And, and it's such a strange twist onto what is really happening in your life. But I think that's the, the key in any of these situations is that the Bible is used but twisted in just a small amount. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the craziness in, in all of this and is that the Bible is used. So all these armor-bearing scriptures are used, but used in a way that someone's vision goes beyond just supporting to this vision is God's vision. I must support it or God won't do his work in my life. And when I was an armor bearer, there was two textbooks we used. (laughs) If you could call it that. And uh, I apologize to the people who wrote these textbooks. No, we don't. We don't apologize. (laughs) Actually, we don't. I will hunt both of you down. (laughs) I will find you. (laughs) The first was... Um, on in an incredible Kinko's printed <laughs> spiral, roll, bound. spiral bound um, notebook in the spirit of armor bearing. So this was one of the books we used, and um, I'm not going to go through the entire book, but this book was used to say this is how you support your leadership, and this is how you do it. And if you're not doing this, then you're not supportive. And if you're not being preemptive and and in the moment and making sure that you're taking care of things beforehand, then your minister will not be allowed to fully work in what God has for him, which... Well, you're basically hindering his capacity to, and you don't want to dare hinder the capacity or, yeah, keep him from being able to, like, really do what God has for him to do and, and touch other people. Which is just so crazy because... What kind of situation was Jesus ever in that it was perfect or that his disciples did perfectly? They always messed up. Like, but these leaders try to put themselves in a place of almost being this Godhead figure that everything must be right for them because this is how it has to work. And and for us in this situation, I mean, our, our head pastor didn't graduate with a seminary degree and who knows what he graduated with because he told us, you know, what he was like a, that's a completely different story that he was head of. Who really knows the truth in any honestly, of Honestly, who knows the truth? <laughs> <laughs> he was a weirdo, but um, we were experiencing God underneath him so that we felt like we had to support what he was doing. And experiencing God in a real divine yeah. way, but because we were seeking God. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Not because of him. But we didn't know that difference. Yeah, if, if I was seeking God on my own in my house, I would have been ex- experiencing God in the same way. Um, so that was a big distinguishing moment between that. So anyway, the first one was In the Spirit of Armor Bearing, mm-hmm. Kinko's edition. <laughs> the second um, one that we used was something called 
God's armor bearer. And you guys had a armor bearer, like, um, sort of academy that you guys went through where you met, like, every Sunday. Yeah. And we mentioned this before, but we met every Sunday after church, and then we met usually once other time during the week and then have conference calls. And then we were the the head of security, <laughs> condemnation, <laughs> <laughs> ministry, whatever it was with, with anything that happened in the church. So, yeah, the, the second one was God's armor bearer, and the same person wrote something called The Vision of the House, which makes me just want to throw up during <laughs> The Vision of the House. <laughs> Because it's, again, the premise is God will not do what he's promised in your life if you don't support the vision of the church that you're in. Yeah. And I think God's really bigger than that. What do you think? (laughs) Pretty sure. Pretty sure he is. (laughs) Yeah. Sure seems like it. So, yeah, we went through those two books religiously. And um, feel free, you know, give me a call. I'll send you a a copy of the books. Yeah. well, take us through what a typical Sunday looked like as an armor bearer. Yeah, so um, the biggest thing is that we did have a curriculum we followed, which was these books, but also we had a, um, a list of Bible verses that we had to memorize and make sure that we had um, in our back pocket. Um, we had to make sure... And why was that? Well, I will tell you in just a second, but <laughs> it was also things like knowing the 12 tribes of Israel and knowing the books of the Bible, which I learned when I was in um, elementary school. So <laughs> easy test, dude. <laughs> um, we all know the song, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Anyway. That's not the tune I learned. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all that would happen so that our head pastor basically said when... When we're um, at a huge conference and and um, ministering to thousands and millions of people, I'm not going to be embarrassed that my armor bearers don't know this verse. Um, and again, it was all tied to him and his vision. And, and if somehow we weren't completely right or didn't know these Bible verses, then, then God would hinder what he's doing. And I think we've come to realize over our course of life is that God loves his people. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not through the course of our life, just through real theological understanding. God loves his people. And to think that somehow God's touch for his people that he loves so much could be hindered by a person is is a little bit crazy. So, yeah, we would go through all those verses, and, and, and also we'd go through what went wrong at the service and how we were hindering God's spirit and or how we things weren't right because, it, you know, our protocol... Um, and I wasn't involved in all this protocol because I was uh, not good enough at certain things. But um, we would have to pray before church in the back while he was coming. No matter what was going on during church, we couldn't be involved in worship because we had to be praying to make sure the atmosphere was right in order for his entrance to be right. Because he he also did, he also sang um, worship and played the piano. Very, right. very, very gifted. Right. Um, so yeah, not only was he like the pastor, he was also like head worship leader, if that's what you want to call it. But, right. So yeah. um, we'd have to make sure that was all ready, make sure that his microphone was ready, make sure that his tea was ready, which was two packets of throat coat, um, some a drop of oil of oregano, and some honey. But I never made that. I wasn't good enough at it. So. Oil of oregano, just <laughs> so ahead of the times into oils. <laughs> 
before they were even cool. Way. So fetch. (laughs) (laughs) Fetch. This is Mean Girls, apparently, folks. I had to explain what fetch was to Ben. Oh, my gosh, guys. (laughs) Then we watched Mean Girls. But, um... And then we had to make sure that the, the fishermen's lozenges were ready at, at the pulpit and make sure that the Hall's lozenges were unwrapped and ready to go and that his towel was ready and that none of the Jezebel spirits were ready to jump <laughs> on him when he came in there. <laughs> <laughs> because out of the hundred people we had at church, there was at least 50 Jezebel spirits. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about who are part of that kind of church, right? <laughs> Everything's a Jezebel spirit that's not like the pastor. <laughs> How many times were you a Jezebel spirit, Carly? Oh, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> At least a million. <laughs> no. Okay, not sorry. as many as I could have been, right. I guess. Yes. Um, but we had to make sure all that was ready, and then we had to make sure that we understood what was going on with our textbooks, as it were. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, so that was our basic armor bearer training, and then the rest of it was just always being being available because God's work through this man who led our church was more important than anything else. So, And that was all through the week, not just on Sundays or, you know, just at church services Wednesday nights and Sundays, but all times during the week, no matter what you were doing, you needed to make sure you were available, always had to have your phone on you, yeah. um... I still I still get a little bit like nauseous when my phone rings all the time. Yeah, that was like a really big trigger <laughs> for you when we ended up leaving. Um, just your phone ringing was always a trigger. It can yeah. never be a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, generally not a good thing. So, yeah, we always had to be available. Always had to be ready. There was there was another thing that was um, really I think pivotal to what we were doing is that there was a Yahoo group. So, um, that, I mean, that's an online group. It it was called Keepers of the Flame. And that was, um, came from an Old Testament passage when David was going to go out to war and he almost died and his mighty men came and saved him. And, um, and they said, you're not going to go out to war anymore unless the light of Israel goes out. We can't have that happen. So, the point of the group was we want to keep the flame of our pastor. He's <laughs> it was so a... important that there's just, there can be nothing that happens to hinder from, we're going to go fight the battle for him and encourage him and love him so that his vision can go on. So this was like a an online thread because there was a lot of just social media stuff that wasn't available at this point. Um, or didn't exist quite yet. So this was like a thread that you got, that the men of the church were a part of. Was it everybody? It was the men that were invited to be a part okay. of. Okay, okay. So the encouraging ones, not the ones with the not spirit the of pride and the, the Ahabs. Ahabs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Ahab was Jezebel's husband in the Bible. Yeah. So we'll do a lesson on that another time, but... <laughs> Um, so this Keepers of the Flame and um, was an online thread basically encouraging the ministry, encouraging the pastor and saying, you're doing great, you're doing awesome. And, and I already mentioned before when he would leave the church, we'd have to call and leave him the longest messages about how great the, the everything was that he oh, did. Oh, after service. Yeah, after yeah service. it was like a, 
So this online forum was a greater example of that. Like, how are we going to continue to push the ministry forward and how are we going to attack what's not right? And I remember very specifically certain people writing things on the forum and then me getting a call saying, you have to write something to rebuttal something they said in order to maintain the clarity of what's going on in the ministry. Yeah, you were like the the uh, forum police. <laughs> I was one of the forum police, yes. that was. You were the corrector. You were, yeah. which is so interesting because you're not one to like, you don't love conflict. No, I love conflict. <laughs> he does not love <laughs> conflict. <laughs> so it's crazy that you were like basically told to, you were the one that had to kind of correct people and be like, you're not, you're not right for saying this or whatever it was. And I think that a lot of it was because I was not overly emotional and I was very much more thought oriented. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't attack people in a way to make them feel horrible about themselves. I would just attack people in a way to say, this isn't right. And I would do intellectually and without as much emotion. So I feel like I was put in that place a lot of I was almost like one of me and one other, one of my best friends were kind of the attack dogs. Like we were the ones to go make things right that weren't right mm -hmm. as far as the ministry. Yeah. Me and one of my best friends was another armor bearer. We were kind of, that was one of my main roles was to set things straight. Yeah, keeping, keeping people in line, so to speak. Yeah. So that's what I did. That's That was a lot of my role as an armor bearer because I couldn't make the tea. I wasn't good enough at that, and I couldn't drive because, well, I'm glad I didn't drive them. But but you also had an armor bearer pack <laughs> that was <laughs> something that each of you had that was yeah. had to be stocked at all times. Yeah, and what was in the armor bearer pack? Well, the armor... AKA your little... Um... It was a fanny pack, sort of. Mo yeah, it was basically a fanny pack. Yeah. So that was so Before cool. Before they were cool, though. Yeah. This was not a, a waist satchel, as they are currently called. This was like a... It didn't actually even go around your waist. It <laughs> no, was just it, a, but it was, it was a pouch. It was a farmer... A farmer. An mm -hmm. armor bearer pack. So in the armor bearer pack, we had anointing oil. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, if anybody stuff. goes to church that has anointing oil, it's basically olive oil in a freaking vial, all right? So let's let's stop pretending like whatever. Well, no one claims that it's like, what? No, I Anything mean, I think people that, on right? TBN buy like real anointing oil. But anyway, it was <laughs> oh it was goodness. basically olive oil and thing. So we were ready at any moment to deliver someone from something. Um, halls. Um, cough drops. Cough drops. Um, the green ones. The green ones. Uh, hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah. And um, Listerine strips. strips that were liquid and w would dissolve in your mouth because um, our pastor was a habitual smoker. Yes, he was. Holy cow, was he a bad smoker? But nobody like really knew that. that was kind no, of but the, oh, and, and we also had um, some axe like spray to spray him. So he was very good at trying to hide the fact that he smoked like three packs of cigarettes a day. Unless you have the nose of a hound like myself. <laughs> yeah, Carly knew the minute we walked in that he was a smoker. <laughs> and it was like, I don't know, I guess I guess it's maybe a little bit different 
things are just more progressive now than they were 10 years ago. But um, he, he just, like, he preached against a lot of those types of things. So it was very, like, hypocritical, I guess, to know that he, like, smoked when he, like, really spoke against any sort of um, addiction or, you know, whether it was mild or yeah whatever. <clears throat> and he didn't just smoke. He smoked, I mean, he, he smoked, like, four packs a day. I mean, it was, like, a chain smoker. If you're ever around him, away from church, it was... In, it, later, I will give you the exact cigarette he smoked because you would think, wow, that is an old school cigarette. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'd have to find it at places sometimes when we got when we got in the inner circle enough to know that he actually smoked. <laughs> um, but that was my armor bearer pack. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah. If I showed up ever without my armor bearer pack, it was like major. I will tell you one major time, major rebuke. Major rebuke, and and this is this is the stuff that's like, I know people could listen and think, dude, you're crazy for staying around with this. But I remember at an armor bearer meeting, very, very clearly, one of the other armor bearers was sitting there with us, and our head pastor said, asked him a question. He answered it, and the head pastor thought he was lying. And the other armor bearer said, no, I'm not lying. And the head pastor said, you better not be lying. I will pray for God to strike you down with lightning. And I, I I know most people listening are like, oh, dude, get out of there. But at this point, we're, I was probably like three years in, and, and it's like you've given so much that you think, and you've seen God work so much well, in your own still, life, and there there's this correlation. There's still more good going on than there was yeah, and lightning there's strike moments. The correlation in your mind that God's doing this all underneath this guy. If he says this, is this really true? And it was like... Those are the kind of things that just mess with you so much mentally mm-hmm. and just just skew your view just enough to think, what in the world? <laughs> like, I believe in God and I believe in his, his greatness. Could this really be true? Like, could God give someone so much power to strike me down if I was lying, even though he's a habitual smoker and liar? <laughs> Which I didn't know at the time, but holy cow. <laughs> um so that was that was messed up, yeah. And again to to wrap it up, armor bearing was the essence of it is you need to support and do all the little things so that the head of your ministry can thrive in what God has called them to do. And that and, and I guess that's wrapping up armor bearing in a bow is that your ministry of service is to not be noticed, not be seen, and to serve to a point where the minister in your church is allowed to completely just do what he needs to do without thinking of any detail at all and just be able to serve God and minister and do what he's called to do. Well, and when the pastor makes it about him more so than like the actual ministry, which is how it became in our case, that's not the intention of what an armor bearer is supposed to do. Like it's not supposed to be about the minister yeah, it's supposed to and, be about God, but that wasn't the case. And I always think about when when Paul is talking about the believers say, well, some say I'm from Paul and some say I'm from Apollos. And Paul's like, it doesn't really matter as long as you're serving God. But in these kind of churches, no, it does matter. Yeah. You're serving that pastor, which is so unbiblical. Yeah. Because no one's ever supposed to be, be put in front of God. Um, 
so that's the basics of it. If anyone wants any more detail, trust me, I could talk theologically and all this stuff for hours, and it would make everyone bored, but we're going to move on from that. Snore. <laughs> Again, just call 1-800-GET-OUT, and I will, I will have a conversation with you, or literally hit us up on, on any of our social media, and I'll, I'll try to do a decent job uh, when I have time of filling you in. But there's three stories that I think, for me, um, put together what, I, what made, made me feel what Armor Bear really was. Um, the first story is when we first started our outreach ministry that we had talked about when we first got engaged. Um, this was I, a ministry that you had started for like with an, an associate pastor that was, yeah, for kids at the neighborhood and potentially like transitional things with my social work degree. Yeah. Helping out. It was all, all based upon outreach and, um, I had this idea to repave the parking lot in our church, which wasn't huge, but it was big enough to be repaved, put in a basketball hoop, and then have basketball tournaments on the weekend that had free prizes that just got everybody in the neighborhood together to do a sport, come together, not necessarily hear the gospel preached, but at least just get them in a place where they felt like the church cared about them. Yeah. And, and it was so strong in my heart that I thought, man, sport is the most amazing vehicle to get everybody together and um, allow them to feel cared for. And, and so I was, I was fired up about it. I thought that it was a, it was a great idea, mm-hmm. and, and I was ready, ready to rock and roll. So we had um, a person that was really close to us give us a lot of money um, in order to help the ministry that we were heading up and with that mon- money I uh, paved the back of our church the parking lot and bought a new hoop uh, the paving was horrible my gosh it was the worst <laughs> asphalt job I've ever seen in my life like I mean I remember my heels sinking in every time for years afterwards yeah, it was and bad anytime we set up like a pop-up tent like the legs would the just legs would be Sink yeah, into there the were ground. just holes everywhere. Manhattan paving, spelled yeah. differently. And um, sorry, I would give them the Yelp review if we had Yelp back then. They were horrible. It was miserable. We had Yelp back then. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, they sucked. But anyway, of course, it was like anything else in church or ministry. You try and find the cheapest way to do it. So we found them, and it was still expensive, but it was cheaper. And then I, I. Um, tried to find the best hoop I could get, and I did. I found a great hoop that was a breakaway rim, and it was adjustable, and poured the concrete myself and put it in, and, and we had a paved back lot with a basketball hoop that was really nice, ready to, to do some lines on it so that I could start having three-on-three tournaments and bringing people in the neighborhood and actually serving them without asking for anything. And I was so excited and fired up about this. Yeah. And... um our head pastor was gone when I put the hoop in, and I can't remember what he was doing. Who knows? Who knows? Um, especially who knows now. It could have been anything. <laughs> Maybe he was a big bear. Yeah. Um, but he came back, and we were cooking all night, obviously, like anything we do. we do it all night. And he was pulling out of the parking lot, and the person who was driving him slammed on the brakes as fast as he could, rolled down the window, and he yelled at me, get over here right now. And I, I went over there, and 
he looked at me, looked at the hoop, and pointed at it and said, what is that? And I said, well, it's a basketball hoop. We talked about doing this ministry. This was part of the whole vision. I had this discussion with you, and I had asked him before if it would be okay. And he was he was on board with it, and, and he said, no, that's not okay. He said, and this, this really hurt me, and I, I think we've mentioned this before, but I want to make sure it's clear. Our pastor was African-American, and he said, you don't know my people. I said, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. He said, you don't know my people. I'm not going to, you're, you're, you're white. You don't know my people. I'm not going to have them come into my church and use the restroom. And what if they steal things? And what if they mess up the sanctuary? And, and what if they start figuring out how they can get in, into this church and steal what we have and the sound system? And you don't know my people. How dare you think you could set up a basketball hoop and, and set up these um, tournaments and, and minister to these people and really believe that you understand what's going on around here. And and this was right at the beginning of our marriage, and it really broke me in a way. Yeah. I remember you being just, like, devastated about it. Because you had really, like, worked hard on just what you wanted that ministry to look like with the other one of the other pastors, and you guys were just so fired up. And it was just so your gifting, too, like the outreach part of it. Um and you had raised the money, and we had been given money specifically for it, and that was hurtful too. That what we were given, like, was basically couldn't be used. Yeah, and it was really hard. It was really hard for me to swallow. Um, and I know that doesn't directly correlate to being an armor bearer, but what it meant for me is the vision of this church. If what I want to do in ministry doesn't align with the vision of this church, then I'm a horrible person. Mm -hmm. So just get on board and support the vision of this pastor and the vision of this church, support it as hard as you can. And then after you've supported and been found faithful, God will do what he wants to do. So for me, that was a big pivotal moment of saying, look, I, what I want to do in ministry doesn't matter. I just need to serve because you know, Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know his people or, or whatever he meant. But in the end, I think he was really wrong because people just want to know that they're cared for. Yeah. Want to know that they're not being asked, something's not being asked of them. They just, you know. So anyway, that was the first story. Um, second was when we had just gotten married. I'd been out of college a year. And one of my good friends got a job coaching eight-man football. <laughs> Who was also at the church. Who was also at the church, but he had a he had a real job because he wasn't full time at the church. So his real job was like teaching at this school, and he got the the head coaching job at A Man Football. And he asked me and another friend who was working um, in the area if we wanted to help him coach the Eight Man Football team. We had both all three of us had played college football, so we were like, "Dude, this is awesome!" Yeah, and I was still putting in. I I promise I would put in eight hours of a day, even though I wasn't getting paid very I much. I promise you he did. <laughs> Carly can verify With soggy this. carpet guy. <laughs> With the moppet, carpet mopper. <laughs> um, so I started coaching with him, and it was like so freeing and fun because even at this point, like I loved the church and I loved ministry, but it was, there was points that were boring for me because it wasn't just falling in line with really my my passions. So I was like, dude, we get to coach football, and and I, I don't even know if I got paid. I, I don't, I don't think so. No. If I got paid anything, it was like five hundred dollars for the year. But it was totally 
I felt it was like so life giving. Life giving. Anna was pouring into the kids, and I had this experience. It was great, and I got through about half the season, and I got a call from the head pastor, and he went off on on me, and uh, he said, "How dare you do this? Um, you you're working at the church. How dare you not run this by me?" And I mean, it was eight man football. We practiced at a park. It was maybe an hour and a half practice a day. I mean, literally, it was maybe an hour and a half or two hours of my day, and I was making sure religiously I put in at least eight hours, and then obviously whatever he wanted at night um, with all the crazy stuff he had. But he he was very adamant that it was very obstinate of me and the other guys who were coaching to do this. Because what if you weren't available, you know, when they when they, when you had a game? What if you weren't available or practice, yeah. yeah. That's what I remember what and, he had said. And about halfway through the season, he would end up calling me right when practice was to do something like pick up bacon from the store or move his dog crate that I had made or something just ridiculous. and To make sure that you weren't able to go. Yeah, and, and for the second half of the season, I wasn't at half the games because I was making sure that I was serving. But again... That's not directly really at armor bearing, but all of us who were coaching were armor bearers, so it made me think, okay, again, it doesn't matter what I'm passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how God's gifted me. I need to serve. Did any of the other guys, were they rebuked as well? Oh, yeah, all remember. of them were, okay. for sure. And it, it really messed us up. I mean, that yeah. was an early point of just being like, okay, I don't know where what up, what is up right now. Yeah. Um, especially coming out of college, you're fired up. You're ready to do what you're passionate about. And, yeah. and both those things fell in line with what I was passionate about. Yeah. Um, last story. When we were uh, first married, or maybe right before we were married, um, our pastor was going to a movie, and I wasn't there. You weren't there. I know. That's weird. <laughs> that is weird. He went with two other people that were armor bearers, and um, I got a text at maybe 10 o'clock at night or something, and we were working on another business that we'll talk about later, but I was already working, so it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't by Carly anyway. I was working. And the text said, you need to get the movie theater right now. And I thought, okay, well, all right, here we go. And uh, I got myself ready, and I, I ran out the door. I got in the car, zoomed to the movie theater, and as I get up there, there's a police officer there between... Our pastor, two armor bearers, and then two other people, and and I'm getting information from everywhere saying, "Oh, th- there's an incident in the movie theater. Something happened. Um, there's um, an, an incident where people were getting in a fight." And so I come up there, and and I'm told the story that our pastor had twice during the movie his phone had gone off, and he didn't know how to turn it off. He was technologically unsavvy. Yeah. <laughs> Which, anyway, continue. So it was um, really clear. He, the second time his phone goes off during the movie, which would really upset both of us, right? Really upset. <laughs> Which is why there's basically 20 minutes of, before the movie starts, reminding you to turn off your cell phone. <laughs> Because it's just the worst thing, and everybody knows to do it. Like, it's not something you forget. I don't understand how you forget to turn off your cell phone. Right. Also, if it rings once, okay, like, you're bad. <laughs> then you turn it off. Turn it off. 
so it doesn't ring again. <sighs> yes. So anyway, it rang again, and it went off, and the guy behind him yelled at him and said, seriously, shut that off. He probably used the F word and some other explicitives, which I wouldn't use the F word and explicitives, but I might be on the verge of saying, dude, leave. We're trying to watch a movie. Yeah, that we paid a lot of money for, and, probably. Right. And um, got an altercation with him, started yelling back at him, and this is the situation I walk into, is they were both pulled out of the theater by the security police had come and then I was called in to for backup of some sorts and then and then I was told on the way there be ready there's there's an altercation so I'm like all right I've never backed down from a fight I'm ready to go you know I, I you know our pastor's there so if I fight I guess it's for the for the Lord's good so I'm ready to go like I'm getting myself <laughs> pumped up like I'm right all right I'm not gonna back down from this I, I'm, I'm gonna go I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll and then I get there and then this is happening and um, the pastor is standing back there so upset and, and just so mad and thinking so disrespected. And he's yelling at the other guy who yelled at him in the movie theater, telling him he's racist and the only reason he did it because he's black and, and I can't believe you would be this kind of person to, to say this and do this to me. And, and I remember very specifically the guy was standing next to an African African American guy. He's like, uh, "This is, this is my best friend." <laughs> his best, his best friend. His was. best friend was black. He's like, "He's my best friend." Like, why? How are you saying that I'm like this racist person? Literally, the person I'm at the movie with is like this. And our head pastor went on to to interrogate him and say, "No, he's not really. He's he's Dominican and and all this other stuff that just I I just I sat back and I thought. I don't know why you're so mad right now. Like, I, I can't get on board with trying to attack these people that were mad at you for your phone ringing in the, in the movie theater. and But the other two armor bearers that were there were, were like, I mean, just so mad about it. And I just, I ended up leaving after the altercation was done and just thinking, you know what? I, I didn't do any, I tried to calm down the situation because I thought, it's just a misunderstanding, it's not a big deal. And I left and then I got a phone call Probably a half hour later, it was from, I can't remember if it was from the head pastor or one of the other armor bearers or both of them were on the phone and they basically said, like, how dare you not stand up for him? If one of these other armor bearers was there, he would have fought. And what, what kind of person are you that you wouldn't fight for him? And it really, that really messed me up because I just... I've never backed down from a challenge, and, and and I would never back down from something that I felt like I believed in. I've always fought for what I believe in. I just, it was so hard for me because I thought I just I'm not on board with that, but yet I'm being reprimanded and saying that I I don't believe or care enough, and I don't give enough because I wasn't ready to fight for the fact that our head pastor didn't know how to turn off his stinking phone in a movie. <laughs> And the other armor bearers would have done it because they cared more. And you're not a real man because you don't care enough. And that is like, I don't know if it's brainwashing or warping or what it was, but it really it's just manipulation. really messed me up because it, it skewed my view of, are you really a man because you wouldn't do this? So then that in turn sort of pushed you to 
really just pushed you to try harder to make sure that you were all those things that he he needed you to be and um, kind of make up for those moments, which in turn just made you kind of more crazy in your brain and made you less available to me. Yeah. And um, just more conflicted. Yeah, it was a. It but was still, a nothing we talked about. I mean, I remember you telling <laughs> yeah. me about this night, um, and that it had happened, and but you you never you never expressed like really what you were feeling in the situation. So that night, I would have never known that you were feeling like, yeah, I I mean, I would be kind of mad too about you know phone ringing and can't yeah. really get on board with. You know, I would have never known that's how you were feeling because I remember you saying, um, yeah, he was in the movie theater, Carly, and, like, his phone went off. Just... And the guy behind him, like, totally ripped him a new one. And, like, he didn't mean to. Oh he, his, like, he didn't mean to. Like, it, the poor guy, like, his uh... phone went off two times. Like, he wasn't trying to. And I remember thinking, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I was, like, I was irritated at the fact that you were like that you were defending him. Cause I was just, I just had like zero patience for that type of thing, <laughs> you know, not necessarily for him, but just like, yeah, like it's such an easy thing to turn your phone off. Everybody knows it. Like it yeah. just, but I remember, you know, so it was again, like just to reiterate, we never had conversations about our inner struggles. Yeah. We could never talk about those things together. So that, that continued to really pull us away from yeah. each other um, when really marriage, these, these things are supposed to really pull us together. Yeah. Um, but we couldn't, we just couldn't talk about them. And, and what, what would that mean? You telling me that you were kind of in disagreement with what happened that night, um, that would potentially sow some discord for sure. Our pastor would know about the conversation that we had, that you were potentially like feeling, you know, that you didn't agree. And so then you'd be like rebuked more. And there wasn't, there wasn't an outcome. We couldn't change our outcome in any way. So I think subconsciously we just knew we couldn't really discuss or process things together, knowing that our outcome really can't be changed. Yeah. And the crazy thing about manipulation too, is there would be two or three other armor bearers who would call me and say, well, I can't believe you didn't do this because they were put up to it by the pastors. Then you're like, you're having your friends call you too and say this. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm, I'm like, no, I'm a man. Like I'll fight if I need to fight, but wait, am I really man? Cause I didn't fight when I should have fought. And in yeah. your friends that you trust are now yeah, telling it, you that, you know, whether or not they actually felt what they were telling you was true or not. Because they were probably called and told lies by the, the yeah, pastor too yeah. about the situation or his viewpoint. And yeah, it's all messed up. Yeah. Lots of layers of manipulation. <laughs> yeah. A genius in a weird way. Yeah. Um, but that, those are three stories that frame my reference of what armor bearer was. Yeah. Of supporting the pastor 100% as your main goal and ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and from that, that that's my frame of reference for the world. And then we'll, we'll end that today and um, go on to the businesses next week. 
Oh which, boy. Which honestly, like, stick around for that. Trust, trust me. If you want to get a chuckle. <laughs> See you later. About that. So, yeah. Peace out. So final four of this uh, episode um, had a couple requests for bad experiences on dates. <laughs> so instead of doing four each, we're just going to do our four together top bad experiences on dates. <laughs> we don't want to make it try to one up each other with how bad our dates were. <laughs> also, we didn't go out much. <laughs> So we really couldn't pull eight dates. <laughs> True that. So the first one was when we were living close to Redondo Beach. And um, we somehow like scrounged enough money to like, let's go out to all you can eat sushi place. It was 25 bucks. Um, and it was like a really good place. Like right was. on, on, the, water, yeah, on yeah. the water. So... You know, we're kind of new to the, at this point, like new to the all you can eat sushi vibe. (laughs) And we go and we're like, obviously starving. And we were assuming we could just split it, (laughs) which I get like looking back, I'm like so embarrassed about that and so ashamed of myself. Like, who thinks they can do that? Like, they think they can actually get away with like splitting an all you can eat between two people. Like, how stupid. But that's just like kind of how naive we were in. A, going out, B, in all-you-can-eat sushi. And um, and I think we were just, like, optimistic with, like, oh, we're going to be able to, like, get a really good meal, <laughs> and we're just going to split. Like, we got this figured out. So we go, obviously told we can't do that, and we're like, oh, crap. So <laughs> And we had to sit at the bar for it. Yeah, which For was... the deal we had. Oh, right, We had found, okay. like, a deal, yeah. Yeah, so that was fine. So... We had to fork over the 50 bucks, which was a lot of money to us at the time. So we weren't quite sure how we were going to survive past that time. But we were also like fully committed at that point. Like it was, it was more embarrassing to like leave than it was (laughs) to, um, stay and be known as the people who thought they could go and split and all you can eat sushi tab. Um, anyway, so sushi was fabulous. We're, you know, right there, the. The chef is like just serving us what we you know one thing after another after we ask for it. And Ben, um, I would say like just didn't have as as good of a sushi palate as um, myself. So he orders the mackerel, and tastes like a freaking dirty sponge. <laughs> A dirty sour sponge. But instead of just being like, which we know now, like if you're in all you can eat place and you don't like it, you just are like, I'm not going to finish this. I don't prefer it. Like, can I have something else? Like, that's fine. That's like normal <laughs> etiquette. Everybody does that. Like you're like, they want you to enjoy your experience. No, Mr. <laughs> Loyal Dog over here, like just hammers down the mackerel because he wants to be able to get his next roll or his next sashimi or whatever it was. And I'm like remember driving. Like, yeah, gagging. I'm driving. Gagging. It was the worst thing. Ever. I was like, why are it just 
just it, don't eat it. It you was know? like a dirty sour sock. <laughs> it was so horrible. But you you like like legitimately thought you couldn't. I get thought I couldn't the next, get the yeah, next you had thing to finish without that. finishing it. Yeah. And I I went after it and I did it. He did it. But it was a really bad experience. Yeah, it was bad experiences because a the mackerel and b we thought we could share. We thought we could split an all you can eat sushi tab. So that's the first uh, one. The num- second one. Number two. Can I start with this one? Sure. <laughs> um, we were working at a, at a business we started, which we'll get into in two episodes. But um, I never had any time off. By any time, I mean like I would never get off before two in the morning. And it was Valentine's Day. So we were getting a little bit of time off on Valentine's Day, which meant I got off at 8 o'clock at night. Right? <laughs> that was about it. Yeah, probably. And I wanted to do something special for Carly. It was maybe we'd been married three years, probably. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? We're going to get a couple's massage. So <laughs> I looked up couple's massage. And in case you're wondering, if you look up a couple's massage on the day of Valentine's Day, you're not going to find a lot of options. <laughs> That the aren't options, booked already. <laughs> the options that you find may not be the best options, more so. <laughs> but I found one, and it was called Thai Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> and so I picked Car up, and I'm like, look, I found this place. It has a couple's massage. But you I, had called several called places them. to called make sev- sure, because we so wanted to I do wanted, couples. We yeah, had never I, done couples. Yeah, I wanted to be in the same room with Car. It was... It was, it was Valentine's Day. I thought this would be great. So we get in there and uh, <laughs> we come in and and she's like, "No, we don't have a couples massage, but we take <laughs> we'll take care of you." <laughs> this isn't gonna go the way you're thinking it goes, but <laughs> no. she goes and Carly looks at her and says, "Are you sure? Like, like we booked we, this we, couples we booked this couples massage and." Like, oh, no, 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 no. Very, very professional. <laughs> very very prof- professional. Professional. Like, like she was, was going to do something weird behind the scenes with me. And like it was crazy that like we were going to have a, like a couple's massage. <laughs> yeah. So she calls me back first. Right? Calls me back first. Yeah, it was and, called. Yeah. yeah. But and then we were in different rooms. And I totally specifically said I want rooms together. Yeah. As a couple's massage to like, you know, whatever. And this was also before the whole like... Nowadays, I feel like there's you can get the really inexpensive hour long massages kind yeah. of anywhere. These little hole in the wall <laughs> places. This was kind of before that time, so um, yeah. So I was I was called back first. Went to a room where I could literally there was a massage bed, you know, and <laughs> I could touch the walls. Like if I put my arms out to the side, I could touch both sides of the wall. So it was there was like just enough room around the bed for the masseuse to be able to walk around the table to like massage me. So it was very claustrophobic. <laughs> I just had to not think. I just couldn't think about it. And then then I got called back and I went to a room and it was it wasn't even a table. It was a mat- mattress on the ground. Ben didn't even get a table. <laughs> it was a mattress on the ground with this like little lady and and I same thing the room was was I mean, if I extended my arms, I would have been hurting myself. So I'm on the ground on this thing, and I'm just thinking, oh, 
my, <laughs> what is going on right you miss, now? You're missing so many details. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm on a normal massage table, normal, like hole for your face. You put your head into, then, then <laughs> has his the head in a, pillow, in a pillow, like suffocating. And we've, we've never had a Thai massage. No. Didn't realize that Please there's even don't a, ever do that. Didn't realize there's even a difference between a Thai <laughs> massage and a regular like Swedish massage or deep tissue massage. So let me just inform you that a Thai massage <laughs> is almost like a chiropractic experience <laughs> with sharp movements <laughs> and um and some rubbing involved and some massaging involved, but it was very much more like seeing a physical therapist <laughs> than it was actually seeing a masseuse. So, so let me let me just interject. It's like <laughs> like someone's punching you in your kidneys. No, we're not at that part yet. That's basically how I felt. So so like you know when you you go in to get a massage and they kind of like start off really kind of just not very strong or forceful and just kind of stop trying to work your muscles, warm you up a little bit. And you're, and you're kind of thinking, Oh gosh, I hope they're going to be stronger than this because this is like not what I'm, this is not what I'm looking for, blah, blah, blah. And so it kind of started like slow like that. And then it was, yeah, like jabs and um, <laughs> kind of pulling my elbow back and like stretches <laughs> and really, really sharp, <laughs> sharp, elbows and sharp like socks to the kidneys <laughs> so bad so so bad so like horrible. extremely painful and not like the good the good pain where you're like oh this so is gonna horrible. feel so much better tomorrow like, like, you're like i'm gonna pee out. blood <laughs> so you know you're, you want to be relaxed whatever so we're i'm I'm starting to realize, okay, this is just, I guess this is how this massage is going. Like, this is not what I expected. And I just keep thinking, gosh, I hope Ben's experience is better than mine. You know, like it's Valentine's Day. Like, I just hope, you know, he just is having a better time. And I can hear him <laughs> through the walls and he's giggling <laughs> because he's extremely ticklish. <laughs> And they did this thing where they would like pull your leg up <laughs> and like just kind of stretch your groin or something and then like drop it. And Ben had like this tiny little girl and she couldn't, she pick, couldn't, up my leg. She couldn't pick up Ben's big old legs. She was like, oh, your leg is so big. <laughs> she couldn't pick it up. And she I literally couldn't, couldn't pick it up, so she's trying her hardest to pick up my leg. <laughs> she couldn't do it. She just kept saying, your leg is so big. <laughs> and I kept hearing these giggles and thuds next to me in my room. And I'm trying so hard not to get, like, the uncontrollable, like, laugh. And um, anyways, needless to say, it was extremely painful terrible and I'm not sure what his experience is I'm just thinking maybe like I've just had a bad experience and he's just ticklish and so that's why I'm hearing him laugh and so first of all but didn't your 
did it, was it your girl or my girl that like halfway through the ma- massage like left the room no, to go talk mine. to a boyfriend <laughs> yeah, was that mine. had walked in or something yeah. ex boyfriend yeah and we could hear the conversation yeah and I was like oh is this I just kept thinking is this it like when you get did I get my hour long yeah. massage I paid for or well or? and you went in like ten to fifteen minutes after yeah it was I did. like yeah it was way later way later so. I'm done. I'm finally done or whatever. And I go out and Ben's already in the lobby. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> he was done fast. <laughs> and, um, but what did my, what did my gal came out? No, the, the guy who was at the register came and you walked out and he's like, oh, she enjoyed it very much. <laughs> and I was, and I thought to myself, oh, thank goodness. Like, <laughs> At least she enjoyed it because I'm gonna pee blood in the morning, <laughs> and and I was getting punched in the kidneys, and the girl couldn't lift my leg, and she talked to her boyfriend, and so I thought, oh, yes, and the guy was like, oh, she liked it very much, very very much. <laughs> Weirdo. And I just thought, oh, okay, great. I'm I'm so glad. So, um, we didn't have much money, but I thought, you know, you got to tip people, so I tipped him like well because I thought Carly really enjoyed this. And, we're, so and so we kind of looked at each other, kind of like, yay, that was great, kind of look. <laughs> and we walked out and, like, kind of look at each the other. The minute we walked out of the door, we both looked at each other and we're both almost, almost died laughing. Oh my! <laughs> and then we, we went home and spent the next hour showing each other all the different Thai Oasis moves <laughs> that our masseuse had done. Um, Anyways, it's one of our favorite massage stories and dates that we've been on that just ended so poorly. <laughs> so poorly. So poorly. Um, so the third one. The third one, and we're going to stop on the third one because this has lasted way too long. So number three is going to be the last one. Okay. Um, so it's final three. <laughs> final three. <laughs> <laughs> um, was a wedding that we went to when we were at the church. It was one of Carly's really good friends, and it was in my, Temecula, right? My, yes, one of my dearest friends that I grew up with my entire life, obviously not a part of the church. Um, and yes, it was a fall wedding in Temecula, which is very far from L.A. where we were living. And, um, you know, my family was there, and and so you couldn't come out early with me. Right. I went out because it wasn't a Sunday. It was on a Sunday, and, and I had I, to make sure I was at church. And then, oh, maybe yeah. I didn't go to church. Yeah, is that I think what it was? That was okay. A so I, I think I drove down with my parents because I knew you couldn't come until later, if at all. And yeah, that was like really hard. Like Ben can't be here for this wedding with me, and it was an important wedding, and and you were my husband, so. We were, and we were only married a couple months at this point. Yeah, it was really early. Yeah, because this was in November, and we were married in June. So, weddings in Temecula, you you showed up, like, how... Did you make it for the ceremony? Yeah, I Okay, did. so yeah. you made it for the ceremony, and you had to leave during the reception, like, very early. Yeah. Like, did you even eat? I don't even remember. I did. I ate. Okay. And then I had to go back because we had our armor bearer meeting, yeah. <laughs> and what did that armor bearer meeting consist of? The armor bearer meeting was a movie we were going to, and I couldn't just call and say, "Hey, I'm at a wedding. I can't come to the movie." So, um, 
and this was at the point where I was driving a Honda Civic <laughs> that had been passed around from three different people at the church. The pat the driver's side door didn't work, what so I eighty nine. Yeah, eight, eighty-nine, something, whatever it was. So I had to open the passenger side, crawl through to the driver's <laughs> side. The window wouldn't shut, so it was open all the time. In fact, we went at one point. We had gone to Idlewild together, and there was snow inside the car because the window wouldn't shut. This car was like the epitome of our life. <laughs> it was. So, and and for some reason in my mind, I thought it was okay to like leave the reception. Whereas now in my life, I thought. I would, whoever my boss would, I would talk to him and say, this is really important to my family and I need to be here. Yeah. Um, and I left. And I left right at the beginning of the reception. I couldn't even stay the whole time and Carly was with her family. And and it was just, a very, yeah, it was one of those, kind of the start of like feeling really kind of embarrassed that you couldn't stay and couldn't really explain to people why you couldn't stay, why you had to leave. Um because I knew there wasn't really a good enough answer for people to understand. And we were also kind of taught like, oh, people just aren't going to understand yeah. our life. You know, like in a prideful way. That's one of the, so, the, the points of the Armor Bearer book is you, you will receive persecution for yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> Come on. And so that was how we looked at it. Like, oh, well, Ben's doing really important work and other people just aren't going to understand, um, you know, when he's not available or if he's not around or that sort of thing. So that in some ways made it easier to just not talk about it because I wasn't allowing myself to feel the inner turmoil, even though I was very much feeling it. It was kind of like, again, like I said in the beginning, the start of me living kind of like a double life. Like I was super bummed he couldn't stay and it was really, I remember being like really upset about it. But again, nothing we could talk about. Nothing yeah. we talked about. And if I was upset about it, like you would be mad at me for being upset about it because you didn't know how to. I didn't know how to handle it myself. Yeah, you, know? you don't know how to handle it yourself or have a conversation with me to handle it. Um, so instead, we were just mad at each other about it. And um, yeah, you left. I and left, and this is the one time in my life, the only time in my life I remember buying cigarettes because <laughs> I don't like cigarettes at all. Never smoked, and and I stopped. Right when I left the wedding, because I had a long drive, and I bought a pack. Well, no, no, the 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 tire on my t- on my car popped. On the I had home? to change it. Yeah, I had to change it on the side of the road. Oh my gosh! And I then totally I then I stopped. That. I stopped at a at a gas station and picked up a pack of cigarettes. And I think on the way home, I I smoked the entire pack of cigarettes. And I don't even like cigarettes. I think they're disgusting. I. I hated that our pastor smoked them, but I was like in such a desperate, desperate point of mind that I, I bought a pack of uh, all natural something. It, it was the <laughs> one with the Native American on the front with the headdress and everything else. I bought that pack and I smoked the entire thing on the way back to LA from Temecula. And it's just so sad that Carly didn't even know that I was going through that inner turmoil. Yeah, yeah. And that you didn't know I was going through mine. And I didn't know that you obviously had smoked because I would have been so pissed at you. <laughs> so pissed at you. The only time I ever bought cigarettes, and I think I smoked the whole whole pack on the way home. That's I was so just like disgusting. so, I was so distraught that I thought, this is the only thing that can help me. Obviously, it didn't help me. Well, I remember too, like, there was never any, like, oh gosh, I'm bummed I have to go. Um, you almost forced yourself to not enjoy 
anything outside of church. You are miserable and almost subconsciously force yourself to be miserable and not enjoy any circumstance or situations outside of the church. Almost like you knew you couldn't you couldn't let yourself enjoy these because um, these moments or these events or situations because um, you couldn't fully give yourself to them. So it was easier just to to act miserable during them um, for our sake because, yeah, because you weren't like, oh, I'm bummed, you know, I'm sorry I have to leave. You were, I remember you being annoyed you even had to be there. It wasn't very fun for you. And me, and I think that was maybe sort of a way of you dealing with... Yeah, it depends like you know, Yeah, how, how to, like, navigate this, I don't know, this part of our life. But it was so damaging to our relationship because it was... It just isolated us more, even more. Yeah. So, um, those are three of our <laughs> final three. <laughs> Sorry, it took so long. <laughs> uh, yeah, final three this time. Um, so, thank you again for listening, and we will see you again next week. or leave a comment and if you have questions or want to open up a discussion you can find us on instagram or facebook at biography see you next time